Tom Thayer, Chicago Bears radio analyst. There was one time we were playing Tampa short yards goal line. I was in the end zone waiting for Harbaugh to throw me the ball. Instead of throwing the ball, he ran it in. And I go, Jim, you could have padded your stats by throwing me a one-yard pass. He goes, I, I know, but I thought you'd drop it. <laughs> did you think you had good hands? I, I know okay. I did. 41-12. Look at these things. 1985 Super Bowl champion. Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. Tom Thayer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Bears. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It is humbling to be in the presence of the great man, even if it is only over a telephone line. But we are delighted to welcome Tom Thayer to the program he joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Tom, we're not worthy, but we're delighted. Good morning to you, sir. Well, this is more than a telephone line. This is a friendship line. So let's do some uh, Bob Newhart type of psychological look back and see what we're all thinking. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say thank you for saying that. Um, all right, Tom. So listen. It was awful, the 10-game the losing streak. It's awful to, uh, to wind up with 14 losses, the most in uh, team history. It was a real difficult finish to the season, but the fact of the matter is that the payoff ends up being better than anybody thought because Lovey Smith comes through. Somehow they throw a Hail Mary and the ball goes between a guy's hands uh-huh. and you get a touchdown, you go for two, and now here the Bears are. And they're on the clock, right? I mean, the Bears have the number one pick in the draft. That is pretty extraordinary. Well, Ryan Poles right now is the most popular sports figure in the city of Chicago. And everybody's going to dissect and talk about his decision, what's going to happen come the April draft and even a little bit of free agency movement before then. But, you know, you got to see what you do with it. I mean, is there a guy that you're so convicted that you're willing to take him at that pick? To me, I would. I wish I could trade it for three picks within the top 45 somehow and get multiple guys. And Ryan's already proved that if he's convinced that a second-year cornerback can be a starter, a safety, a, a later in the draft offensive lineman like Braxton Jones, if you know he's done a nice job of you know bringing these guys aboard, and then a later uh, the late returns on Velas and stuff like that. I mean. It's going to be interesting to see where Ryan is motivated to to use the draft collateral that he has this year. So, Tom, Molly and I getting a little bit pushback on the text lines and Twitch stream about not necessarily doing cartwheels over the fact the Bears finished three and fourteen. They do have the number one overall pick, and that's great. But I just wonder what is the proper balance to strike here in terms of coming off a season that has been as woeful as it has been, knowing and securing a spot at the top of the draft that signifies hope. I mean, the only thing is, is signify hope is where you have an opportunity to pick and then ultimately what you do with it. Well, it's, it's no great shake. It's no reward to be the first pick in the team. I mean, the first pick in the draft. I mean, that is, you know, last night when we were doing game night live with Louis, says the bears have earned uh, the first round draft choice. You didn't earn it that's what you're granted for having such a miserable season. So um, I just got to believe that the coaches have to have their uh, player exit interviews. 
uh, you know, go through the roster and see who is a legitimate candidate to be here for the future and, you know, who may be considered right now a camp body. But um, when you look at the draft and you look at what they have, you know, this is probably a draft that you have to come away with five starters. And if they all start next year, you know, they'll, they'll grow in terms of the season. But, um, you know, you didn't have any 100-yard receiver. The sack differential was so overwhelming that you have to get that, that thing situated, and that takes the offensive-defensive line. So, uh, like I said, Ryan Poles is going to be an interesting guy to follow for the next four months. This segment with Tom Thayer is brought to you by Horizon Therapeutics, a global biotech company going to incredible lengths. Tom, you say that they didn't have a, a five hundred, excuse me, a, a, a thousand yard receiver. They didn't have a five hundred no, yard receiver. They didn't until, have a receiver that yeah. caught a hundred yards in a game. Right, and and until until yesterday, they weren't going to have a five hundred yard receiver. But mercifully, they ended up uh, getting some. Yardage from uh, from Cole Komet, so they have a hundred yard receiver. Excuse me, a five hundred yard receiver. That is hardly what you know your tight end. That is hardly what you're looking for in the modern NFL. I mean, that is a a shocking low kind of statistic. And a, a I think he needed thirteen yards to get there. He got fifty seven yards receiving in that game. That's just. It's a crazy statistic that they got one guy with 500 yards receiving. I, I mean, that's that that has to put everything kind of under um, under some sort of um, consideration. Well, you know, listen to our so your leading sacker is a defensive back. Um, you, your leading rusher is your quarterback, and you don't have a receiver that had 100 yards receiving in in the game. And you talk about what. Cole was able to contribute to the receiving numbers. Um, you know, the 3,000 yards of rushing, you know, it's nice to talk about, but it does, it's not impressive when you talk about how much the quarterback accounted for those rushing yards. And um, so, uh, listen, I like Dave Montgomery and I like Khalil Herbert. Uh, if, you know, Justin has to turn into the passing quarterback that's needed in every offense in the NFL or else. And so, you know, um, you, you hope that the receiver position can come around next year with an entire with the whole off season of the OTAs and training camp with the sizes of EQ and Clay and uh, or Claypool and Cole and guys like that and hopefully Darnell Mooney is on the men by the time the season starts and Bayless has come around so you, you know they they do have some pieces in place but the most important piece in place that has to improve is is uh, Justin and, you know, all these other numbers of, you know, Jaquan Brisker having the sacks and, you know, everything else that goes along with the season. Some of them are curable, but some of them are going to be a a process uh, for Ryan and his staff. Tom, the reason the number one overall pick has such value is because so many teams are desperate for a quarterback. The Bears have one, Justin Fields. But I think that Ryan Poles now has to – be pretty careful here. I, I call it being publicly vague, but privately supportive. How important is it from your perspective that Justin Fields knows exactly how much the bears believe in him as the future? 
Well, you know, I mean, everybody has to go out there and compete for their position. And if you need to be coddled and tell you how valuable you are to the team, you know, that that's kind of not what a, how a team is built. But every Justin has proved to all of us that he's a super tough kid. He's got the willingness to run. He studies hard. And he has all the elements that you need out of a, a quarterback that's going to be, you know, QB1 for your for your team. But, you know, I guess – you know, if we could ever interview a guy like Luke Getze and really get in depth about how the the meetings go with the in the room of the quarterback room, are are you answering those questions instantaneously when you go back and you watch tape and try to develop the good positive habits from this offense to the quarterback position? Is Justin answering the questions and telling you everything that that you want to hear? And so, you know. Ryan, you know, being the general manager, he's got to be convinced for his future in his livelihood that Justin is the guy that's going to get this thing turned around here. And I, I think I think he is. But, you know, Ryan is in position to make that to make that call. But I do think that you you have to talk to the position coaches and the offensive coordinator a little bit and making sure that mentally he's developing along the path that you you need them to but i do think if you get two years in the same exact system same terminology i think you can see justin's arrow is going to skyrocket you know it, it is is definitely pointing up but it's about having consistency in the system if you're ultimately going to see the best out of him yeah and um you know it's interesting tom you say you probably need five starters out of the draft well how many do you need out of free agency? They've got a hundred million dollars plus, maybe one eighteen. What do you expect them to do? How will those two elements work together? Do you think if they go and you know, I, I mean, I'd like to see them work on the line of scrimmage first, and that starts oh, with free agency. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, but and if I'm going to go out there and I'm going to pay a certain dollar for a free agent, then I expect him to be a starter from the moment he puts the pen to the pad. And, you know, as soon as he's signing that contract, all right, you're a designated starter. You're going to go in there and you're going to compete for a job, but I, we expect you to, you know, earn a, earn a starting position. So I don't think you're going to go out there and buy a bunch of third-team free agents because that's not going to help you. And it's not you don't have to spend all the money you have. And if, if right. someone's going to come in here and be uh, a solid um, competitor for a starting position, then, you know, that's that's the way it's going to have to be, because, you know, this team has too many holes, especially on the offense and defensive line to get anything done if, if you don't make those two positions better. Tom, I think that people are positive, feel good about the kind of. I guess, culture that Matt Eberflus has created. The Bears competed up until uh, the Lions game. They were There was a lot to look at. The evidence of coaching was there. You can look at their reduction in penalties, et cetera. But from your standpoint, evaluating, a- analyzing every one of the 17 games that Matt Eberflus coached for the Bears this year, what did he prove to you as a head coach and how far does he have to go? Uh, you know he, you know he has good control of the locker room. I think the players really have a lot of respect for him. I think if you sit here and have a, a guy that's playing for the Bears that has a buddy that's a free agent that he's you know plays on another team, 
I think the message out of the locker room will be positive to the players around the league. And I, I do think that's an important part of the culture change because if you have a negative atmosphere around your building, no one's going to want to come, you know, within a mile of, of Hallis Hall. And um, so I, I think Matt has started to develop a culture in which they want to see around here. They have the expectations of effort on a daily basis. When he did go to training camp, he practiced the guys hard, and it didn't matter what the weather conditions were, how hot it was. You know, he would tell them that, look, we it was a hot, hard practice today, but it's going to be hotter tomorrow, and we're going to practice just as hard. So I like all those things that he has put in place. In the difficulty of trying to keep the culture of the locker room together in the midst of a double-digit losing streak, it's really hard. But so I, I, I do think that he's created um, a, a positive atmosphere within the building that guys would be encouraged to come here if they do want to, you know, be a starter, if they believe they're a free agent that needs, you know, needs a, a change of venue just to find a more positive working atmosphere for them, I, I still think that Bears are going to receive a lot of consideration by those types of free agents. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not arguing that. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they put together and how how that fits into the – hits principles that he loves so much and all that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's easy to coach people that are on the verge of being out of the league. It's more difficult if you're putting big money in guys' hands and asking them to, to go along with the program. I mean, most will, but you know, you got to be careful about some of the personalities if you're trying to lock it down like that. Right. You know, the hits principle, I mean, it's, you know, something that they brought in and it's talked about often enough. It's just like on the side of our Super Bowl ring. Mike Dicka has the word ace, and that's attitude, character, and enthusiasm. And whatever word you want to say that talks about the type of roster you want, there's a lot of different words that you can tell these guys and describe what you expect out of them. But ultimately, you know, it's it's gonna you know it's gonna be what what do you prove to me on a daily basis in practice and training camp, and then how do you play on Sundays during the regular season? That's you know, ultimately going to identify the the work habits of what Matt expects out of you. But you also have to bring in free agents that have a positive mental attitude that you don't have to, you know, I, you don't want to have a negative message in the locker room. You want to have everything inside the locker room, uh, you know, positively, you know, thought of and spoken about and, you know, having that message carried throughout. Tom, it's great listening to you on Sundays with Jeff because you see things people miss, and they may not stand out to people watching they do to you. When In evaluating this Bears season as a whole, what did we miss? Anything out there that you think didn't get enough attention that was either better than people thought or worse than people thought? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because the whole Roquan deal, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk about what Roquan wanted in terms of money. And then if you had the guts to trade him, are you going to be able to still sustain value out of that position? And I do think that Nicholas Morrow came in and did a nice job. I think Joe Thomas plays the linebacker position. Well, Jack Sanborn came in and when they anointed him, the starter, and move Nicholas Morrow, I, I, I think the, the linebacker position benefited from it. So, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing that I'm, you know, walking out of my exit, you know, my exit interview today thinking, man, 
we are on the right track, and this thing is just going to be a division championship next year. Um, you know, you just have to get guys like Braxton Jones that have to dedicate himself to an offseason to make sure he be, he has better bendability and he's stronger when he comes back here next next year. Um, can guys like Jatari Carter come in and c- compete for a starting offensive line position and upgrade the offensive line because of it? But, um, you know, I, I, st- I still would like to see the big receiver group be a big receiver group. I, I don't think that I, I was kind of underwhelmed in what those guys all provided to this offense. And maybe it's as much as Luke Getze getting to know him better and Justin, you know, having a better understanding of the passing game. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the offensive line, Tom. I mean, you know, you've got to get you've got to get better. And, you know, it's weird because I think that when you start considering individual seasons, like, you know, Tevin Jenkins ended up being a better player than we thought he was going to be. He was going to be moved out. But ultimately, with the injury, two years running, with um, there's something about him that that they were hesitant with. I don't know. Um, I'm just not sure how he fits in, how Larry Borum fits in. Riley Reef's probably gone. Are they upset about paying white hair? I, you know, Braxton Jones got to get, he's got to spend a year or two in the weight room, frankly. I just think that there's, we could see a lot of change in that group. Yeah, too much drama, you know, and that's, that's one thing with Tevin. And since he's been here, it's been drama with the back injury and then not practicing, not knowing what position he's going to play, being inserted into the lineup late, having a number of injuries throughout the season. And, you know, one thing about the offensive lines I've always played on, they are dramaless. And, you know, even, you know, Dick Stanfeld, if we win the game, you're not going to get any credit. If you lose the game, you're going to get all the blame. And that's just something that you have to accept as an offensive line. Um, and with, you know, you have the Lucas Patrick when he came over as a free agent, he had his injuries. So, um, you know, such inconsistency in the lineup and, Sam Mustafer and Braxton, the only two guys that played every snap, um, you know, is, is, is encouraged as I was is about Larry Borm at one time. I'm at the end of the season um, at equally as discouraged. So yeah, they they have a lot of, um, you know, elements of improvement on the offensive line and uh, you know, Chris Morgan, I think he did a nice, nice job of shuffling the lineup, but even you know, being the offensive line coach, it would be nice if you didn't have to play 10 different, 11 different starting lineups throughout the course of the year just to gain some consistency. And to me, from where Michael Schofield and Riley Reef, when they first came aboard and I saw them at practice, I was thinking, no way, I don't think these guys can play anymore. And then Riley Reef ended up being the most physical of the offensive linemen they had. And Schofield did a nice job of playing multiple positions in in a play's notice, so um, I mean, you you got to look to to upgrade the talent, talent, but you need considerably less drama on the offensive line. Speaking of drama, Tom, so the pre-draft process is a long one, and the Bears might do under the name of due diligence interview quarterbacks, evaluate the top three quarterbacks. They have the number one overall pick, so maybe they should waste the time or due diligence in your mind. Due diligence. I mean, there's not a guy. Listen, this is the most unique position the Bears have been in in, in a draft in what since the 40s or yeah, something. 47. So, yeah. 
if, if I go out there and I am Ryan Poles and I'm the general manager and I have to make all the decisions to get this team in the division contention that gets you into the playoffs, every single stone has to be unturned. And um, I, I think they're, you know, just at such an, an advantage position in, in this draft. And I think you'd be naive to go, oh, we don't have to look at this guy because, you know, we're probably not going to take him anyways. Hey, you go and look at that guy and see if you can make a pick of a quarterback that in two years you get three first rounders for him, or you're just, you know, adding value to your future by looking at those types of players. I, I, I'm a big believer, you know, unless you had some guy that stood above and beyond everybody else, if you had a Reggie White in this draft and you just saw how great of a player that he's going to be for 10 or 12 years, uh, that's that's one thing, but because of the uncertainty and the need for this roster, you've got to look at every single guy in every si- single position that you know you think can help these guys immediately. Tom, I know you had a great season and you walked us through <laughs> it, so thank you, buddy. That's thank you, great Tom. Stuff. Hey, I look forward to every Monday with you guys. Hope there's more to come. Bless you. Thanks so much, hey. Tom. That is Tom Thayer. He great is... analysis there. Absolutely. You get the truth. Let me tell you something. The drama on the offensive line. You started laughing at me last week when I was asking questions about who's going to start, and and you're you were like, yeah, we got to get to the bottom of the offensive. <laughs> it's a big deal. They had no consistency. I wanted See, to know that. You totally overreacted to that. I was chuckling at the question because I think it pertained to Dieter Iceland, and there was nothing that I thought could have been riveting. And I think that's the word that I used about your question about Dieter Iceland. I apologize for that. I, and I did not mean for it to linger this long. There was drama on the offensive line. <laughs> there was, I needed there was it drama resolved. in here, buddy. I needed it resolved. <laughs> <laughs> and it was absurd. It, but that's the situation slightly, with a team you. that's losing 10 straight games. I get it. I get it's it. Mully and Hall, <laughs> Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. It's always disappointing, you know, when you when you don't uh, put the W up. But, again, our eyes are forward now. Uh, I thought our guys battled today. I thought they did a really nice job of that. Uh, and, again, they worked hard together. Didn't come out on the end on our side, but uh, that's the way it is. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. That's Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Bears. That's the way it is. Um, it is the way it is, but I like the idea that our eyes are forward now. Because sure. you know what? I, our eyes have been downcast as we've watched this. This is they've been the, the Bears have lost ten droopy straight games. Bags under them. So you got exhausted. You got uh, <laughs> Arizona, Indianapolis, and Tennessee have lost seven straight. Those three franchises. The Bears ten straight, and um, I I guess it's the Jets have lost five or six straight. Whatever, but the Bears. 10 consecutive losses yeah. to close the season. You'd prefer to build character through other means. Dustin's got them winning nine games yeah, next we'll year. Yeah, we'll see. That's what optimism. If, what if they lose the first seven? Then they've basically set they, a new record. We gonna, need to see the order, of course. Need to see the order, and we'll okay. need to see the roster. I'll now, how did it work? How did, sorry, how did it work? It was, it's, it's every, there, there's really no back-to-backs, right? Plus they have the extra, they have the extra road game. They have one more road game than home games. Yeah, the the okay. I'll just I'll just tell you their opponents. How's that? Okay, so at home, they've got the division. That's Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota. 
They've got Atlanta coming in here. They've got Carolina win coming in here. Carolina is the only one is a win that you just said. I couldn't get to the mic fast enough on Atlanta. Win. Okay. You, you don't know what the rosters are even going to look like. Carolina is is closed the season pretty strong. You got Denver coming in. You got Las Vegas coming in and Arizona coming in. Then on the road, you got the division. You go up to Green Bay, you go to Detroit, you go to Minnesota. You got a game at Cleveland. That is the uh, the, the uh, quarterback game, right? Didn't the Bears pass him in the draft? Uh, you go to Kansas City. Go on, jump in with the win. There's your loss. Okay, that's it. Uh, and then you go to the Chargers, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Washington. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges ahead. A couple wins in there, too. There's double-digit losses in my book right now. This Let's guy's... wait and see. I mean, they've got $115 million to spend. They've got the number one yeah. overall draft pick. Go use it wisely, and then let's talk in May. But wait a minute. If you can say to me that I can't predict that they're going to have nine wins because I don't know what the roster's going to look like, how can you predict they're going to have double-digit losses when it's, you don't it, know what the roster's going to look experience. like? It's called experience. History, well, tradition. Dustin, they, they've. They I mean, won, come on, they come won, on, Dustin. That's a really silly question. They won three games. Jeez. So you. if you double as many wins as you had, at six and still, eleven. Yeah. So it's so you would you would consider next year a success at six? No, no. no. Who said anything Who about said success? Success. Well, you just said if you doubled up, I jumped I'm to the saying, word success. Yeah, I'm saying I, I if did. you double. Do not put you, words in our mouth. You are so bad that yeah. if you double your wins, you're only at six. That's pretty ugly, man. So you you believe they're going to triple the amount of wins they yeah, have? Yes, so they're going to pull a Detroit Lions. They're going to pull a Detroit know. Lions. Three let, wins. Let, to let nine me recap wins. the show for you to this point, Help. executive producer. Thank you. Our previous guest, the well-respected Tom Thayer, not prone to hyperbole. They're going to find five draft. Uh, they're going to draft five players. They're going to be starters. Yeah. They're going to rely on probably free agency for four more. That's nine. Your depth chart has 22. You're going to replace nine starters and win yeah, nine games? That's like half your team, Dustin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, that's why they play the games, David. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's have a happy Can we just cancel moment. next season and get the number one Dustin, pick again? Dustin, I'm not saying oh, cancel next season. I'm not even putting a damper on the excitement that comes with drafting first overall. I think we all should be – you know, realistic about the expectation level, though. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so the good news is, and you know, crack a bottle of champagne, the Packers lost. So the Packers out of the playoffs. Packers lost last night. That eliminates them. Detroit was already eliminated. So that leaves the game. We talked about it earlier. Brock Purdy is hosting uh, a Geno. Uh, I love that matchup. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I love the way that that has taken shape in, in San Francisco. They're on their third starting quarterback, and he may be as qualified as any to take them where they want to go. That is Saturday um, at, uh, I believe, 3.30. That, that, this weekend, starting Saturday, is super wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. The newly named super wild card. I love it. Because it reminds you that you're trying to get to the Super Bowl and you've got uh, Wild Card Weekend on steroids, so it's Super Wild Card Weekend. The first game is Seattle at the Niners, 3.30 on uh, 
on Saturday, followed by the Chargers at the Jaguars at 7.15. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was thinking it was going to be Seahawks at Niners, and I was counting on Chargers at Jaguars. I don't think anybody thought saw that coming. No, okay. I think you're being facetious. I am. I get it, but I because the Jaguars hosting a playoff game is quite a thing. The Chargers have to go across the country. They likely will be favored in that game. I don't know what the line is right now, but that that is crossing the continent. Yeah, yeah. So that's a tough ask, but yeah. I also think that you're playing against the most beatable team. Mm-hmm. You know, in the playoffs, in in the Jaguars and Trevor playoffs. Lawrence, and and I think they're on a roll though. So maybe that would be a fascinating game. Th- these games always deliver. It's, it's, yeah, it's super wildcard week. Well, rarely are you disappointed after the first weekend of the playoffs. I wouldn't want to be. I'll go ahead with okay. Sunday because Sunday I, is your Dolphins without the quarterback, most likely at the Buffalo Bills. It'll be really warm in Miami, but they're flying up to Buffalo. It could be a little snowy and chilly. And it's uh, Dolphins at Bills. Bills are on a mission. They are emotionally charged. There was not a better play of the day on Sunday or the maybe season than the opening kickoff being returned for a touchdown after all that they went through with DeMar Hamlin and the week that was and the FaceTime um, exchange they had on Friday. That team is ready to go. And you can get off the couch and get some chips and some uh, peanuts or something and get back for the Giants at the Vikings at 3.30. Yeah, Vikings are going to be rolling now, I think. Yesterday, Kirk Cousins looked good in the first half against the Bears. Who wouldn't? 3.30, not noon. Just cautioning you. <laughs> wait, wait. So you think that affects Kirk Cousins' oh, biorhythms? Yeah. No question. Yeah. Kirk Maybe. Cousins, much better at Well, noon he'll be very good for the first three quarters. Then it gets dark, and okay. then they have problems. Then the Ravens. At the Bengals at 7.15. I hope Roquan Smith makes every single tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, and I hope they roll, even though I don't think they will. Just despite me. That was an attack on Dustin. That's, that's the, the bad that, blood. That's the marquee. Right that's that's the, to me, that's the marquee game of the weekend. Okay. That's the must-watch I'm game. not done. Then you got the Ravens at the Bengals. Oh, I said that. You said that. Then Monday <laughs> there is a game. Excuse me. Monday at 7.15, and yeehaw. It is the Dallas Cowboys down at the Tampa Brady's. Well, the Tampa Brady's are in good shape. They may have a losing record. They may have a 50-year-old quarterback. But the Cowboys, boy, how about them Cowboys? I think that could be the upset of the weekend. They lose. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. <laughs> uh, that was a game, though. If if you're the Cowboys or if you're the Tampa Bays, then aren't you upset about playing a Monday night football? Your week is now condensed if you win. You don't have as much time to prepare. I know they have to play the following Sunday, but yeah. why do they have that disadvantage? Because they're more watchable on television? Because it's the super wild card weekend, and we need something super to happen. The, they're going to have super ratings. Tampa yeah. Bay and Tom Brady against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football? That will set a record. A week from tonight. Yeah. Dustin, that will set a record for whatever time slot that is in. Not sure. I, I, I'm still not sure I like the idea of it stretching that far what do you what do you got i mean do you, do you like the whole like saturday afternoon all the way through oh i love Monday it night? I, I, shoot i mean i'm, I'm I, trying to th- I'm but trying i mean would, to you, would, you a, would you rather have an here's what i'm asking i guess would you rather yeah. have three games saturday and three games sunday as opposed to two three and one i kind of like the two three and one i like two three and one i love the monday night football selfishly aspect. i like three and three better for us see 
but we're I don't th- isn't isn't Monday a holiday? Isn't that yeah? Uh, but it's Monday night. Tuesday's not the holiday. Okay. Monday's the right. holiday. But the point is that we have. I mean, I'm I I, I don't think I'm going to miss a game. That's the point. The other thing I, is, I'm wouldn't in good you? Shape it, to watch if this. this is kind of NCAA tournament, it, it felt good yesterday, last night when the Lions ended the Packers season up at Lambeau Field. But wouldn't you have rather have seen? The Packers fly cross country to take on the 49ers again. And that game would be like a much no, later game. No, it would not be. Not no, at all. No. I, I no kinda, sympathy. None. I, I'm here for the Geno Smith show. Yeah. I, eh, much more watchable game. That's a 49ers, division game. Packers. I like the story. I like, I like division game followed by uh, uh, non division game and then division game. I, I, think what, I think what Dustin's trying to say before we break here is that he's just a big fan of Aaron Rodgers and wanted to see more number That's 12. He loves no, I kind of wanted to see his face get rubbed in it like in a playoff game more than not getting to the playoffs. Oh, I, I like him not going to the playoffs. Did yeah. you see he's got a new girlfriend? He's dating the 26-year-old daughter. The heiress. The, yeah. Yeah, the heiress of the, of the Bucks, Bucks, right? Yeah. I mean, really? I don't know. Kind of done with him. You think? I'm glad that he's <laughs> glad that he's. we don't have to deal with him, Dustin. And I, I don't like Aaron Rodgers against Brock Purdy as much as I like uh, Geno Smith. I think that's funner. Just give me give me obscure quarterback play any day of the week. 312-644-6767. Back with your calls here on The Score. Tommy. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 312-644-6767 is the telephone number. We have a lot of people that want to check in, but before we get to the phone lines, David, you saw a lot of weird there, stuff. There was a kind on. of fun post-game scene on the field, number one. Yeah. More uh, reflectful or wistful when you saw David Montgomery out there taking pictures with his family, right. wondering if this was his last game. Um, is it, it his last? I I think that they could probably afford David Montgomery. Easily it de- depends on what happens with his asking price. Uh, there are a lot of free agent co- running backs, so that might bring him back to the Bears if they want him. I think that he he definitely would fit in with what they want to do here offensively and also with the culture. So that was interesting to see him on the field, kind of reflecting, maybe taking photos for that possibility. The other thing I want to know is that before that happened, it might have been after. I think somebody proposed oh. and got engaged at midfield of Soldier Field. How would how would you not know that? Well, because I couldn't hear anything. And I didn't know if it was like somebody pretending or acting because it looked almost like a bit. But there's somebody got on one knee. She looked like she was – you can't hear this from the press box, but watching and she accepted, they hugged. Then I think he ran off a little bit. It looked a little bit like could have been enthusiasm. I don't know who it was. But it did appear that somebody might have gotten engaged after the Bears game. So why would you get engaged in a game? Does that happen all the time? I don't know. You see it every once in a while. You do. Maybe a, a different. Yeah. You know, know, on the jumbotron, somebody may end up like, "Hey, I, hey, hey, I, I, yeah, camera I, over here." I always. I, this is awful, and it, it, I shouldn't admit this, but I always want them to say no. I did too. I think it'd be hilarious because <laughs> what, what I mean, just shattered. Well, I thought. No, not a chance. Why would you ask me here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's That would be funny. But me. the most amusing thing quickly post-game was that we're waiting in the interview room for Matt Eberflus. 
John Greenberg from The Athletic and I were there. The t- television cameras were in the back. The other reporters were on the way. They were in the locker room. But as we waited and waited and waited, they bring in Nathan Peterman. And I have to say, there was a little bit of an awkward pregnant pause there as he stood behind the podium at the microphone, and he was like, you didn't really think I wanted to talk to him, needed to talk to him, had to talk to him, but you didn't want him to feel like neglected so either. You so you had to ask him a question. Ask so it was just you and John yeah. asking him questions. That's hysterical. Yeah. Poor guy. Fine young man, pit guy, talked about yeah. DeMar Hamlin. So it was worth hearing from him, even though it right. didn't factor into any of the coverage or very little of it. But, um, yeah, a little bit awkward there. That's pretty funny. Let's uh, let's get to Mike. Mike's in Bloomington and has waited patiently. Hi, Mike. Hi, guys. How are, how are you doing good, this good. morning? Very good. I have a couple of quick comments about the Bears. First of all, I would love to see him pick up Ian Book from the Saints as a backup for Fields. He he too was a scrambler in college. Yeah, Justin would love that. And at Notre Dame, and he he threw to both Komet and. Claypool while at Notre Dame, so he knows them. And since he is similar to Field, if he ever did have to replace him, which let's hope not, but if he did, they wouldn't have to change the playbook much. I believe it would be a good fit. Two young quarterbacks learning together. Okay. Thanks, the, Mike. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And the second point, quickly, is if if I were uh, Paul and I could draft, I think I would trade the number one and get a lower number one and possibly two seconds if if that could be done. Thank you very much Great. and have a good day. Thanks, Thanks Mike. So Appreciate much. the phone Appreciate call. It. Yeah, I don't see Ian Book coming here as a backup. I think you want to get ideally a backup that stylistically is more similar to your starter in the event of an injury. You don't have to change everything. Ian Book, uh, you could be in the league for a while um, as a backup, as we saw yesterday. When Tim Boyle and Nathan Peterman are splitting snaps, starting games, uh, then you have a long career ahead of you if you are just a capable backup and can and be a guy that uh, can take a snap when asked. Yeah. But I don't know about him at the Bears. All right. 312-644-6767. Right back with all your calls. We'll do that next. Mully and Hall on the score.